You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 166. Today, my special guest is Sean Castrina, and he's from The Weekend MBA. Welcome, Sean. It's great to be on the podcast. Thank you. And today's topic will be business success or failure is all in the planning. So, Sean, can you give us the two-minute tour of why you're here? I'm an entrepreneur, so I guess it kind of fits the subject matter here. And, you know, I've written a few business books and host a top business podcast. So I love sharing what we do and what I do and talk about the Weekend MBA that I founded and, and just love to talk about entrepreneurship just in general, anything to do with business and entrepreneurship. Fantastic. And as most of the audience are either small business people, entrepreneurs or wanting to be, it is the perfect topic to be here. So why do you think that success or failure is all in the planning? I find that people spend more time planning their vacation than they do starting a business. And that's why I wrote the book, The World's Greatest Business Plan, because your business plan does not have to be this elaborate doctorate type of paper. And I've seen business books like that are that are just so laborious, but there's fundamental things you need to know. Number one is uh, why am I selling this product and or service? Just if I was just dumbing this down, when I went over when my son was starting a business, I'd be like, okay, why that business? And then they go, okay, because I think whatever I go, well, who's going to buy your product and how do you know they're going to buy it? And how do you know they're willing to pay whatever amount you have? I mean, where did you come up with the amount? Who's your competition? How are you going to be different than your competition? How are you going to be better than your competition? And then you go, okay, who's your ideal target customer? It's not the whole world. Only Amazon gets that. (laughs) Only Amazon and Microsoft gets that. So who is that target customer? Then how are you going to attract them? What is your method of selling them? Okay, now we got there. How are you going to fulfill it? Who's going to be on your team? Who do you need to make this happen from opening the doors to whatever the case may be? I'm just winging it right now, but you can see how I can go 50 questions deep pretty effortlessly. People just feel like they, oh, I like, I want to sell this because I like it, but it may not fit your geographical location. You don't understand the industry in any way, shape or form. So sometimes a little bit of planning. Definitely. And I like the way that you say that not everybody is your customer. If you try to talk to everybody, you talk to nobody. And even though Amazon and Microsoft do have the whole world, they didn't start that way. And I think that's where people forget. And especially things like Facebook, they think, well, they've got world domination. Yes, they have now. But they didn't. Yeah, they started the with colleges. In the beginning, yeah. they started, it was just totally, you know, obviously a yearbook on college campuses that you could talk. You look at Amazon and as I say the same thing. I mean, they started, it was nothing but book titles mm-hmm. because books is the largest skew in the world. In other words, there's more books in any single category. Yes. So kind of, if you could slay that giant, then you could kind of slay all the other ones. It started with books and obviously Windows was Microsoft. You got to get that first victory. Absolutely. 
And you've got to think about what the customer wants. Because yes, you might be passionate about something, but if the customer doesn't want it, doesn't see the value or is not prepared to pay for it, then you've got a very expensive hobby, not a business. 100%. And I, and I tell people that all the time because I think one of the big mistakes that people make is, is that they're passionate about something and they somehow think it's a good business. And I joke, hey, listen, I'm passionate about golf and tennis. And it doesn't mean either of those where I live would be a good business. Buying a golf course is a horrible business. I mean, that's a money pit and so many other things. But you know, you have a successful business that can pay for your passions. But I think trying to make your passion your business that does not always work. And people somehow think, well, I'm really excited about it. Well, it doesn't mean there's a lot of other people that are. I'm passionate so about it, dog walking. I'm not going to be a full-time dog walker. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, exactly. So, I, but, but we always hear that. You got to be passionate about it. No, no, no. You have to be passionate about something within the process of business. In other words, do you like setting up companies? I mean, you're kind of, you love getting them launched. That's my thing. Okay, Great. Do you love marketing? Do you love that angle of the business? There's so many things within this entire framework of owning a business that you can be excited about. And it may not be the exact product that you're selling. It's just, you just know it's a great product. You know, it'll work. And so that's the business. Absolutely. And I think the other trap people fall into is that their family and friends think it's a great idea. So they go, yeah, I'm going to run with that. But if their family and friends are not their ideal target market, not their audience, not the people that are actually going to pay the money for their business, then once again, it's not a very good plan. I tell people any way that you can get beta tested, put up a website, pre-sell it. Worst case scenario, your email goes, we, ha- you know, we had such a demand in our initial offering that we're four weeks behind on our orders. I don't care how you pull it off. I mean, I've done postcards to service companies and we literally sent them out and based on the response. And then we would go to that city immediately. We'd start servicing it from another location. And then we'd set it up on the fly because we weren't going to go out and put these vans and get an office and all that. We didn't know whether it was going to work or not. And so I always think like a pup tent, you know, pup tents, like two posts and they'll keep rain off you. It's not a dream house. No. Set up these companies. I'm just fascinated by People get a little bit of, somebody tells them something's going to work. And I'm like, introduce it to the marketplace. See if it gravitates. See if you get some traction. Never listen to your family and friends. (laughs) They're going to tell you everything you do. They're going to tell you is good. Fantastic. And I love the analogy of the pup tent to the dream house because we all want the dream house, but we're not prepared to put in the work to get the money to build the dream house. We want it instantly. And then sometimes we put the dream house in the wrong location. So we've spent all this money, we've got this fantastic house, but now we can't service it. I remember starting businesses and I had to think everything had to be right. So I had to have this many computers. No, I needed one computer. And last company that I started, which you know now 20 some years later, and it'll do a million dollars this year, it's only three years old. We started with a laptop computer. We put a secondary phone number on the cell phone and I put them in my conference room of one of my already existing companies. I just put them down there. That's 25 years later. I know that before, oh no, I would have rented an office. I would have had to have somebody answer the phones, even though it may have only been one phone call. I mean, there's so many of those dumb mistakes I've made in the past. And now I think, listen, just enough to get it to breathe. If it doesn't generate a sale, you don't spend a dime on it in a startup. Perfect. Love that. That's really good because people spend way too much money getting their systems, their processes, even their website, absolutely spot on spending thousands and thousands of dollars on marketing for a product that may or may not work. 
Absolutely. I know it's insanity. You've got to test it a little bit. You can take something to a county fair, get a table at a county fair and get some feedback on it. And I tell people, you know, you have a business idea. Okay. Go to a restaurant, go to a bar. I don't care. Tap somebody on the shoulder and go through 20 people and go, listen, this may be crazy, but I'm getting ready to start a business. I don't want to lose my rear end on this. Just tell me if you think this is a good idea and run it by them. Do that for 20 people in a restaurant. They'll all answer you. If 15 of them say that's great, well, by golly, you got more feedback than you had an hour ago. Absolutely. And if you can target that restaurant into the people that would be likely to be your target audience, that's an even better sample size. You just have to sample. My whole point is, is that I'm just using a really quick illustration of that, but I actually think it works. You've got to get feedback. Because what you do is you introduce this, this product under the service and it's crickets. Nobody's buying. And I'll tell you what, I don't care what anybody says on this. Other than a company that gets venture capital, which kind of is the one in 10,000. So let's just understand that. So of course, they get five years to figure out how to turn a profit. That is such the outlier business. That is not the reality. Your business should make money from day one. There should be revenue coming in from day one. You should plan your business in such a way that that launch generates money. And I just tell you, I've never kept a business open over 90 days. It wasn't paying for itself. I believe that a business either sinks or swims and it does it really fast. I don't buy into it's going to turn the corner. It's going to turn the corner. No, you better turn the corner on it. You better change something, whatever. Businesses, small businesses generally revenue quickly. Now, I'm not saying they revenue as much as you want it to be, but you get at least a pulse. But sometimes people just hold on to things so long and they know you got to pivot or you got to kill it and start another one. Yep, absolutely. And sometimes people just think, oh, well, if I just put a bit more money into it, if I just put a bit more money into it. Um, but never, it- never, no money, no money. More time, maybe another idea, but it's a money pit. It's a money pit. I've had businesses that I thought for sure would succeed that didn't in businesses that I really wasn't that optimistic about that did. But I can tell you that the one thing that was true in all of them, the good ones made money fast. And I knew very early on, it was a winner. Mm-hmm. My bad ones look bad from the first month and never improve. Yep. And that's a good rule of thumb to look at because in that way, you're not going to look back in 12 months and be thousands and thousands of dollars in debt because things haven't worked. So if you start with a small budget and work on it from there, even if you're only making a few dollars in the beginning, you can see that you're making money and you can pivot that and multiply it. Yeah. And I think another thing that I, a huge mistake people make is quitting their job. I think quitting your job to start a business is just not very wise. I think that in this day and age of, we have so much technology, 24 hours, 10 years ago or 20 years ago is so different than 24 hours today. I mean, we're having a meeting through a Zoom call. We can send an email. You can have food delivered. You can have groceries delivered. Our entire life is so much faster. We have meetings. We don't even have to go into the office anymore. Banking, we don't have to go to the mailbox anymore. I I can keep going on and on, but our 24 hours in 2022 is dramatically different than 24 hours in 2000. So the fact that you can't work an eight-hour day and then take four hours and structure those four hours in such a way that it can't do a business, I don't buy that. That's only a 12-hour day. And, you know, Elon Musk and all those warriors work 18, sleep for 18 minutes and get back up and start over again. But my point is, is that I think the first thing you do when you get ready to start a business is figure out a way to keep your job. Maybe you cut back a little bit or you get more creative on your scheduling because I've done all that. 
I've negotiated great schedules. I've gone to a different pay structure, but I have never said, well, I got a great idea. Let me go quit my job tomorrow. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make because if you get a job, it also forces you to hire somebody very early on to be doing a lot of work that you shouldn't be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. Keep a job. You're going to find that you're focusing on the things that actually move the needle. Absolutely. And you've only got that set amount of time. So you've got to be productive. You've got to think about what is your critical task that you need to do that nobody else can do. And that works really well. And also you don't have that pressure of not having any money. If you've already got a side job and you've got money coming in, then you can think through that a bit more and have an abundance mindset as opposed to that scarcity mindset. But I definitely do think you do need to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The problem is the word entrepreneur now is like the sexiest job in the world right now. It's the sexiest career. Why? You don't have to go to college. It's kind of like the justification for not going to college. Guess what? I went to graduate school. College is not a bad thing to go to. I'm not anti any education. Okay. My daughter's a third grade school teacher. Okay. But entrepreneurship allows you to quit your job. You don't have to go to college. Just kind of gives you this excuse because, well, I'm an entrepreneur. And I always say, well, good, show me your tax returns and I'll tell you if you're an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And whether you can scale that into a business or whether you've just bought yourself a job. I'm addicted to entrepreneurship, but I think some people think it's way easier than it is. And they bounce around from side hustle to side hustle. And there's a difference between a side hustle. A side hustle is a side hustle. What I tend to call it is a part-time job. And then there's business owners. Yes. They're two completely different things. Absolutely. And if you can't walk away from your business and take vacations and have that holiday that you really need, then you've bought yourself a job. And I think far too many business owners, inverted commas, are actually bought themselves jobs and they're running themselves into the ground because they think, well, I've got all this time. I can work the 16 hours a day. Well, maybe you can for a while, but is that going to bring you in the money that you want, the lifestyle you want, and make sure that it's sustainable? Probably not. Exactly. That was funny because I just went on vacation with my family and I and it was a Friday and a Monday, which would be the two busiest days when you own a business. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I own a lot of companies, high revenue, big companies. My phone didn't ring one time. Mm-hmm. And this is 20 some years into this, but I was like saying to my family, like, this is when you know, when you feel good as a business owner. Yes. When you have a lot of divisions, a lot of moving pieces, lots of employees, and my phone did not ring one time. They knew how to handle. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, oh, I'd have been strapped to my phone. Yep. Everything had to come through me. And then you finally learn when you get to the point where it's like like playing the game rummy cards. You want to get rid of your cards. The goal is to get rid of them. Yes. To get rid of all this low-level responsibilities and you only hold on to just a few critical things. Mm-hmm. But as business owners, we want it all. We, we got to be involved in everything. It's funny now, you know, 20 some years later, I look forward to my phone not ringing and I view that as success. Absolutely. And being a technician and being a business owner are two different things. And quite often there are people that are within our business that can work so much better on those tasks than we can. So we might take twice as long. We might diddle around. We might forget things. So sometimes it is far better off getting somebody else to do it. Much shorter time. It's their wheelhouse, not yours. And you can have that time off. In most businesses, until you hire your first assistant, that's the most critical hire. When you understand how valuable your time is and you're willing to pay somebody a certain amount of money to do the 70% of the things that you shouldn't be doing. 
I can text so many quick responsibilities, whether it's literally renewing my tags on my car, dropping my car off, picking up dry cleaning, so many things I never have to do anymore. But when you get to where you realize what your time's worth and where you should be spending it, where you shouldn't be, it's a massive maturity step in business. Absolutely. And sometimes that hiring somebody to help you mightn't actually be in the business. It might be those kind of things. It might be doing the housework. It might be doing the shopping. It might be picking up the children from school. There's a range of things that can help you that may not be in your core business that can make such a difference to your time and your money. I I so agree. I I have a landscaper. I have a house cleaner. We've had chefs when our kids were growing up, did the cooking, brought the meals, you name it. I want to get everything off my plate that I shouldn't be doing. Basically, anything that an American money, $20 an hour, anything under $20 an hour that I can get somebody to do. And that's a lot, a lot of errands at 20 to 20. Now it could even be more than that. But I always thought that way. Like I should not be doing these tasks. Mm -hmm. So what you need to think about as a business owner is what is your time worth? What can you charge your time out? If you can charge your time out more than what you can pay someone to do the cleaning, maybe do some admin assistance, whatever the task is, if that's not your wheelhouse and you can charge your time out for hire, talking to clients, working on your business, all of that sort of thing, then that's where you need to be thinking about going. Absolutely. So planning is definitely a major part of that. So if somebody's just starting out, they haven't had their first hire yet, they're making money, they're getting to the point where they think, right, I need some help. What would be your first suggestion for them to get that help? I think the first thing, typically your hires are going to go around this. Either A, you're going to get somebody to help you with answering phones and or having first contact with customers. If you have a retail store, they work the register and whatever. Typically, when you look at your business, you're hiring Your customer service and sales, they're the two most important hires. Everything else is fluff, but who's going to service your clients, maybe answer the phone or get those online leads, whatever the case may be, that person and the person who sells, who creates the sale, and then it's fulfillment. How are you getting whatever it is they bought to them? Got to touch those three bases. (laughs) So who's selling, who's customers providing customer service and fulfillment? I think they're the critical, you're typically going to hire somebody in one of those three very early on as soon as you can. Yeah, it's no point doing marketing if you can't do the sales and it's no point doing sales if you can't do the fulfillment because you won't be in business for very long at all. Exactly. I think they're the three critical hires. Bill Gates' first critical hire, Microsoft, he hired Steve Ballmer, who now owns the LA Clippers basketball team here in America. And I don't know, the guy's worth over $50 billion, but at the time he was a Stanford business grad and he paid him $50,000 a year. I want to tell you something, in 1980, $50,000 is a lot of money now. But $50,000 42 years ago, wow. that is some serious money. Obviously, the guy was extraordinarily valuable because he's worked all the way through to be the CEO of the company. So yeah, those early critical hires, they move the needle. Absolutely. And freeing up your time can be such an advantage. I always kind of throw this out there. What's the one hire? One hire that would take your company to the next level. Example, Mark Zuckerberg, Sharon Sandberg. She figured out how to monetize Facebook, how to generate. Okay. Then you have Steve Jobs had Tim Cook, who obviously has taken over the company and taken it to a trillion dollar valuation. Again, I talked about Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer. 
there's typically one critical hire that you need to make. Somebody who's got a skill set outside of yours or, or it's just a critical hire. Maybe it's sales, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's legal, whatever business you type you have, or it's a programmer, or it's somebody who understands manufacturing at a global level. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, there's typically one hire. And that one hire will help you scale your business early on faster than anything you can do yourself. So you need to find out who that one hire is. Absolutely. And quite often it is in those sort of critical hiring roles. If you're a great technician, you've been really good on the trades, but you're not good at running your business, then maybe the hire is bringing in a manager, bringing in a CEO, because they're the ones that can get your business to the next level, which was exactly what you were talking about just there. That's true. And the one thing, crush one of these titles, because this is like a really fancy title people talk about now. Entrepreneur, you talked about that, but this visionary thing. Let me let you in a secret. You're not a visionary. Visionary is like walking and chewing gum. You're a visionary and two other things, okay? As a business owner, yeah, you have a vision. That's great. But there's a lot of other things I got to do besides just being a visionary. I was interviewing a guy the other day and he's just like, I'm the visionary. The company's like 24. I'm like, no, you need to work your butt off. You need to be a rainmaker. I said, I can give you 10 other things other than a visionary you need to be. Yep. But that's like one of them really cool titles right now. I'm a visionary. Absolutely. You've got to have a very successful company with a lot of people under you to be able to sit that visionary role and do it well. So you've got to walk before you can run. Absolutely. And you got to be able to do more than one thing at a time early on. Definitely. And that's the thing is you've got to be able to work in the business as well as on the business. And I think people get so tied up in the the working in the business that they can't step back and take that extra minutes or hours to think about where the business needs to go and what the next expansion might be. Your number one responsibility in the first two years is to extract yourself from the technician part of the business. I understand initially, if you can do it, why pay somebody to do it? I understand that. I mean, I get it. If I can implore small business owners to do just a couple things and your business will grow. Number one is you extract yourself from being the technician. And number two is you make that one hire that I just talked about. That one hire that you know, I don't know how to do this, but we need to go in this direction, or I need this. Maybe it's a manager, whatever it is. Generally, if you just do those two things, extract yourself from the technician side of it, get somebody to do that. Number two, hire someone to do that one critical, bring them on as a partner if necessary. That's what I've typically done. I don't hire them. I bring them on as partners, but I always look for that one person who can take my business to a place where I can't because I I don't have that understanding of it. Perfect. And that's a great way to round this conversation off, I think. There are other ways of bringing people into your business as opposed to just having them as employees. You can have them as contractors. You can have them, like you say, as partners. You can have them as silent partners sometimes where people actually put money into your business and then you can hire somebody in that role. So there's many different ways that you can grow your business. There's a ton of ways to bring talent within your organization. You've mentioned every one of them pretty well, but who's that critical hire? I challenge you. I always say the next 12 months, what's the one hire? Because it's typically that hire will move the needle, will move your business early on further than anything you can do. Critical role is typically either in the fulfillment and in sales and marketing. They're the ones that typically generate the revenue. Fantastic. Thank you, Sean. Now at this stage at the podcast, I get to ask you five questions. Are you game? I'm game. I have no idea what they are, but I'm game. (laughs) Audience just know I have no idea what these questions are. So whatever I answer is very honest. Well, they're pretty easy. So I think you'll be fine. What is the best advice given to you by a mentor? 
yeah, early on, I was working for this older gentleman. And, and I remember I was going to a staff meeting just out of college. And I brought to him these problems that I had just found out within the organization, you know, because I'm 22 years old. And he says to me, goes, Sean, listen, bring into me problems. I don't want you to ever bring me a problem where you don't bring me two solutions. Absolutely. Every time you bring me a problem, give me two solutions. Finding problems, anybody can do that. And I thought that was so wise. Don't bring me the problem. Bring me a couple of solutions to the problem that you found. So I thought that was an exceptional piece of advice. Yes, very powerful. What is the biggest help you've received since starting your business? Partnering. Partnering in business early on, that's been my, you have a superpower, that has been mine. I've always kind of figured one plus one equals done. Like me, I know my strengths and they're very, very good. And But where I'm weak, I'm extraordinarily weak. So when I've paired myself with that one partner who had that one thing that I most needed within the business that I was in at that time, I found that did more for me than anything. Brilliant. And I think that's an area that people I've often overlooked. They think they have to carry the, the whole thing all by themselves and don't realize that they do have that opportunity. Yeah, I always say 50% of a lot is better than 100% of a little. Absolutely. What is the one thing that you have to do every day? You're non-negotiable. Oh, exercise. Perfect. What is your favorite business book and why? Oh, Think and Grow Rich. It's just, golly, it's almost 100 years old and there's not one thing in it that's outdated. Isn't that incredible how you see yeah. these things and they keep yeah. perpetuating year after yeah. year? Napoleon Hill, that is the scripture of business and success. So if I could only read one book, it would definitely be that. Then if I added a second one, it would be Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then I would round it out with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. They would be my three, but Think and Grow Rich is the pinnacle. Perfect. What is the one thing that you wish you'd known when you started out? That I could achieve even more than what I thought. In other words, your goals... Can't explain it to you, but you can set some pretty extraordinary goals. And if you chip away at them, bring good people in that can help you, you'd be shocked what you can achieve. Absolutely. Like I would have set even bigger goals. I look at it and I go, well, you've done this, you've done that. If I could go back, I think I could have done it in half the time. Yep, absolutely. And I think we get stuck on the how. So sometimes we just have to put the goal out there. Don't worry about the how. Start working towards it and the how will come. Shocking. Shocking what can happen when you chip away at something. Absolutely, in a very good way. Well, thank you so much, Sean. If the audience have liked your conversation, where can they find out more about you? Well, if you go to seancastrina.com, you can get a free book, The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. It's a great book. You can also you'll get an invitation at some point to the weekend MBA because that sells out. We do that once a year and it's a top entrepreneurship conference in America. It's amazing. So you get an invitation to that. So I think the safest place is seancastrina.com. And if you like how I communicate, go to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. It's where you learn a lot in 10 minutes because as you can already tell, I talk fast and I get a lot out of my guests quick. So the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. Fantastic. And if there's one thing that you would like to leave our audience with, what would it be? Set goals and do something every single day, even if it's just one thing towards achieving those goals. Success is not rocket science. Fantastic. It, it really is not rocket science. I think that's a really great point to leave on. So SPT audience, enjoy your journey. Thanks, Sean. Oh, thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. 
Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.